0: On this prequel episode, we've got our fan poll follow-up for The Jungle Book, we're learning about fan fiction, and previewing Fifty Shades of Grey. (music) Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit Podcast, where we talk about movies that are based on books. We have quite a bit to get into for this prequel episode, the first one before our summer series begins. So we're going to get right into it with our patron shoutouts. I put up with you because your father and mother were our finest patrons. That's why. We have one new patron this week at the $15 Academy Award winning level. Steve, or the guy that wants you to do Battlefield Earth. Thank you, Steve, or the guy that wants you to do Battlefield Earth. Appreciate you for supporting us at the $15 level. As a reminder, at the $15 level, you get to recommend something. But I have a feeling, I know... What your recommendation is, so your what your request is. Did he did he send the message yet? Yes, yes, and I assume it's Battlefield Earth. Yes. All right.
1: Is that the one with uh John cavemen flying fighter jets? Yep,
0: that is okay. cavemen flying
1: fighter jets. That's literally all I remember about that. Yes. Well, I never watched the movie. We I did watched
0: on, your episode about. Yeah, the we movie. did it on Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad way back in the beginning. It was like our tenth episode or something like that. Um, I, and I think I knew it was a book at the time, but we obviously didn't.
1: We weren't, we, I mean, and we weren't doing the podcast. No, and we, at that yeah, time we, either. Yes.
0: we were not doing the podcast uh, at the time. And I, like I said, I, I, don't, I didn't read anything of the book. So, um, and I have not watched that movie since, <laughs> since we uh, just talked about it on Good Bad or Bad Bad. But yeah, uh, I've, I wonder what that book is like. I guess we'll find out one of these days. Um, but, anyways, thank you, Steve, uh, for supporting us at the $15 level. And the rest of our Academy Award winning patrons are. Steve or that guy that wants you to do Battlefield Earth? Paul. Kat Inzminger, Ben Wilcox. Jeff Niederhofer. Teresa Schwartz. Ian from Wine Country. No new name today. Winchester's Forever. Kelly Napier. Grey Hightower. Eli Youngs. Gratch. Just Gratch. Shelby says Fifty Shades isn't what I meant by more fantasy, please. That Darn Skag. V Frank. Brendan Fraser is amazing on that one episode of Scrubs. And Alina Starkov. Thank you all very much for supporting us at the Academy Award winner level. Brendan Fraser is amazing in that one episode of Scrubs. One of the hardest hitting episodes of Scrubs there is. Do you remember that episode?
1: No. He's in exactly <laughs>
0: one episode of Scrubs. Uh, he plays, I think her name's Jordan. Is that the character's name? Uh, the, the, uh, the woman, uh, uh, Dr. Cox's ex-wife. I think yeah. her name's Jordan. I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I watched Scrubs, but anyways, uh, he plays her brother in one episode, and I won't spoil anything because there's a lot. To, there's some twists and turns in that episode, but it's one of the best, if not the best, episode of Scrubs. Uh, it's up there. So uh, yeah, and he's great in it. Um, and uh, sorry, uh, Shelby, that we answered your plea for more fantasy, but just not how you wanted. I assume, yeah, 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 not quite, <laughs> not quite the <laughs> fantasy you were looking for. <laughs>
1: I guess it it is fantasy.
0: Well, yeah. In
1: a sense. (laughs) Yeah, using
0: that and the other term of fantasy. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Not quite the fantasy Shelby was looking for,
1: but... (laughs) Not quite the fantasy I would have been looking for either. (laughs) Yes. No,
0: fair enough. (laughs) That is fair. Uh, But anyways, thank you all very much. It's time now to find out what people had to say about the Jungle Book.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... uh your opinion man okay so on patreon we had three votes for the movie one for the book and one listener who couldn't decide lost remote control said the movie by default because i haven't read the stories but i feel those haven't aged well but really all i actually remember is blue but thanks for the winnie the pooh voice thing now i can't (laughs) unhear see Pooh as a snake
0: it is really striking. Yeah,
1: once you realize it. Once you it. realize it. Yeah. And
0: like I said, I it's funny cuz I didn't yeah, I didn't put it together, but as soon as you said it I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, that's very clearly <laughs> what that is." Yep.
1: Steve or the guy that wants you to do Battlefield Earth said, "I think I have to go with the movie. The book is kind of dry, and let's be honest, Baloo is the most underrated Disney character of all time. Why isn't Ooh. he as beloved as other characters is beyond me." Uh, I mean, he's fine.
0: I like them. I like them in the character. Like I said, he's based. I'm a fan of Baloo. I just, I don't know about most underrated Disney character of all time. I hadn't thought about it, so I I don't know if I have a retort ready.
1: I mean, there are definitely, like, more hyped Disney characters that I would probably prefer Baloo to. Yeah. Like Olaf, for example. No offense if you love Olaf, but...
0: Wait, you compare him to Olaf?
1: No, I mean, like, I think there are characters that are, like, overrated that I would prefer, that, like, I would prefer Baloo to those characters. Yes. And Olaf I see is what you're one saying. such example. Sorry,
0: I see what you're saying now. I was a little confused of <laughs> what you're Yes. Yeah, I mean, sure, yeah. He's, yeah. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm indifferent on Olaf. I don't really care. Um, But, yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, I can't think of another character that's underrated. Like I said, I'm sure I could, if I racked my brain for a few minutes, I could come up with a couple um, that I would put above Baloo. But I did, I, I, he was probably my favorite part of the movie, so that's fair.
1: And our last comment on Patreon was from Tracy Drews, who said, "At first, I didn't like the book." but now reflecting on it, I can't decide because I don't think I gave the book a fair chance. I kept trying to find the similarities since I have seen the movie so many times. I also didn't know it was separate short stories. So the format threw me off one day. I might give it another go.
0: Fair enough. I, I haven't read it, so I can't comment. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, I don't think it's something that I probably would have read if we weren't doing an episode on it. Right. Honestly. Oh yeah. Um, but like I said in the final verdict, I was, I was surprised by how much I, I enjoyed about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily like net overall enjoyed it. Right. But I enjoyed aspects of yeah. the book.
0: Also, you went in with low expectations, you know. and
1: Yes, I did. You know, that can
0: be good for, you know,
1: <laughs> for, for being,
0: being a little pleasantly a little, surprised.
1: Yeah, a little pleasantly surprised. Um, over on Facebook, we had one vote for the movie and two for the book. Ian said, I do love the movie. Musically speaking, it's one of my all-time favorite Disney films.
0: Wow. I, so it's interesting to me. I mean, everybody has different musical days, so fair yeah. enough. It just does. It's not one that I connect with a lot. There are some good songs in it.
1: it, I, it there are some but, good songs in it. Like
0: but nothing that like. Oh my goodness. This overall,
1: is... in the Disney canon, yeah. it's not one that stands out to me. But I also prefer the like Broadway style. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid. <laughs> that is types. fair.
0: I do too. Yeah. I definitely prefer the yeah the big soaring. Like, yeah. Broadway. Yeah. This is not
1: really musical. like the the there are musical numbers, but they're all kind of like disparate. And- yeah.
0: You know, and lots there's, there's several different styles, yeah, and it's which is interesting and fun, but it's also, yeah, you don't have um, bare necessities is definitely like the most memorable song, mm-hmm. and I I still wouldn't even put that in my top 10 Disney songs, I yeah, don't
1: think, not personally. Um, Ian went on to say, despite nearly wearing it out on VHS when it was re released in cinemas back in. Nineteen ninety was it? I something don't, like that. I don't know. Uh it was yes, that. it
0: was. Like nineteen ninety that was cause that was when I um in the prequel, uh when uh Roger and E or Ebert and um
1: Oh, that was when they, Ebert, it. when
0: they when they talked about it, yeah. it was like nineteen ninety 1990 or nineteen ninety one or something okay. like that.
1: I still went to see it when I was in South Miami, and I honestly can't get enough of all jungle books from the old black and white nineteen forty two film with uh Cebu, Sabu? Sabu? I don't, I don't know. know. As Mowgli to Disney's uh, Stephen Sommers' 94 live action one with uh, Lena Headey.
0: Lena Headey's Heddy. in that? I don't know. Is that the one I'm thinking of? The 94? Because that's the one I remember. But what does Lena Headey play? Continue up there. Um,
1: which, since you like his mummy film, you'll more than likely enjoy this version. It has many of the same hallmarks in it.
0: I, so that I did I think I mentioned that one in the prequel episode mm-hmm. I thought because um, I do remember watching that one as a kid and enjoying it But I haven't seen it since I was a kid what the heck Because yeah Jason Scott Lee plays Mowgli in that Lena Headey plays Kitty which maybe is like the love interest Like maybe yeah, the, I don't know I, I don't know I don't I don't remember anything about it I remember the yeah that Carrie because yeah I mentioned that Carrie Elwis was in it <clears throat> And Sam Neill and John Cleese I did not notice that it was uh, Steven Summers, though, which, yeah, there you go. That's interesting. But uh, I'll have to go back and check that one out again, because that, I, like I said, I, I remember liking that as a kid, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. So, uh,
1: To <laughs> the new live action one that came out recently, Ka is definitely better in the book. If Baloo is a badass lawyer, then Ka is the jungle historian that's not beyond killing every now and again. In many ways, he reminds me of Hannibal Lecter. Highly intelligent, valued for his knowledge, will possibly eat you. It's <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. But I do love Trust in Me, such a beautiful song. Susie Sue and the Banshees do a wonderful, haunting, seductive cover of it. If it weren't for the song, I would have passed on Movie Ka. I get what you're saying about the movie's ending. To me, it's a bummer because it ends. I want more adventures. I want to see the odd couple Bagheera and Baloo get into scrapes in their return journey. Saying that, I have been and always will be a sucker for a pretty face, so I understand <laughs> Mowgli following Shanty into the village. This is one of those where I might have voted both, but the Sherman songs push me for the movie.
0: Fair enough. That's, you know what? Fair enough.
1: You might, well, might want to watch that sucker for a pretty face thing. You get in trouble that way. That is
0: true. That is a good way to get in trouble. Absolutely.
1: On Twitter, we had six votes for the movie, four for the book, and one listener who couldn't decide. Kelly Napier said, I left this one up to the baby. I read her one of the stories and she fell asleep. I put on the movie and she watched it, giggling and babbling through the whole thing. So she voted for the movie and I cast her vote as her proxy because three months old, three month olds, don't have good twitter skills
0: fair i might argue though that the book did its job as well
1: i was gonna say <laughs> you might want to keep that in mind yeah if we're ever struggling to go down for a nap
0: Let's read some rudyard
1: whip out the jungle book
0: yeah, i could definitely see a kid i mean like i said yeah. I, I enjoyed this movie as a kid and i didn't dislike it now yeah, um, I remember liking this movie quite a bit when I was younger, but just not as much as Lion King Little Mermaid. Right. Any well, of the and other and ones.
1: I do think like I think that's kind of where like the rub is for me watching it as an adult, because I think there are a lot of like the Disney class, like animated canon that I, I feel holds up. Yeah. As an adult, and for me, The Jungle Book is not one of them. Yeah, it
0: holds up. less I would, yeah, I would agree that I th- it does feel to me it holds up less for me. And and a big part of that is I don't have as much of a nostalgia for it yeah, as some of the fair. other ones, you
1: know. Uh, Len Flis, Flis-
0: Flakasinski.
1: Len Flakasinski said. When it comes to how to deal with aspects of The Jungle Book and older Disney that is incredibly racist in hindsight, I think Disney has handled at least this part of that well, which is putting the disclaimer over the front while still putting it out there for people to enjoy. Yeah,
0: I would agree with that. I think it I think it makes sense mm-hmm. to to put it out there and and re- relatively unedited unless it's something like incredibly Yeah. bad. You know what I mean? Like a, yeah. a, and just make sure you you contextualize it and and give it a place where people can discuss it and Mhm. You know, it is what it is. I I think it's, yeah, handled relatively well. There might be ways to do it better, but I don't know what those would be off the top of my
1: head. (laughs) Shelby says Monsters and Mayhem is out now. Um, Shelby, the uh, patron who requested The Jungle Book, Mm -hmm. said, This was my first time reading The Jungle Book, and I decided to read both volumes. Strangely enough, I think the movie nailed the long, slow periods between incidents that piqued my interest. I also liked how Disney really thought we wouldn't know the difference between African and Indian elephants.
0: To be fair, I I I know I'm aware there's a difference, but I don't know enough of it off the top of my head to
1: I know what the difference is. I know Asian is. elephants
0: are bigger, right? Uh,
1: and African, African elephants are, bigger. are bigger, and a uh, uh, Asian, and or, Asian or Indian ele- they have smaller ears. Yeah. Asian and Indian elephants do and they have like a i don't know the right word for it they have like a the, oh. the shape of their head is like has like a cleft almost no i know what
0: you're talking it's got a yes it's got I a do. name and yeah. i don't know the name um mm-hmm. yeah i, I got
1: zoo books as a kid so i, I know all I the differences don't... between elephants
0: that's something i forgot because i actually also got zoo <laughs> books as a kid i had a subscription to zoo books i had a subscription to missouri conservation magazine or whatever I, yeah i had all kinds of like outdoor animal
1: did you magazines. get ranger rick
0: Think that sounds familiar. I don't remember. I feel like I did. I got Ranger Rick for ages. Remember.
1: Anyway, uh Shelby went on to say, "Years ago, I watched the special features for the movie and I still remember how very proud they were of that ending gag."
0: Oh, God. <laughs>
1: What makes it worse is that in the final story in the book, Mowgli ends up returning to the village because he outlives a ton of his friends and feels left behind by the rest. He ends up visiting his mother figure from when he first went to the village and decides to stay because it's just time. It was a far stronger ending. I do have to mention that the girl from the movie technically is in that final story, but she's just walking by, which leads to Mowgli and his wolf sibling finding a more secluded place to talk. Mm. She's practically a major character in the movie in comparison. I agree about preferring Ka in the book, although I do have a soft spot for mean (laughs) mean Winnie the Pooh. There's a story involving Mowgli and Ka encountering a viper that was my favorite story in the whole collection. I always assumed it was common knowledge that Shere Khan was afraid of fire because at the end the vultures just know and they tell Mowgli. I assumed that's why King Louis wanted to know about making fire because mm-hmm. he actually intended to help Mowgli in exchange for the knowledge. Interesting. And he could have, we'll never know. Yeah. We'll never know. He didn't get a chance.
0: Nope.
1: Uh, Mowgli also didn't know how to make fire, so no. it wouldn't have worked Not, out anyway, no. but also Bare Necessities is the OG Hakuna Matata. The friend song where the response to a big cat wanting to kill you is, have you tried not worrying about it? As the meme goes. I mean, you're not
0: wrong. That is a yeah. very accurate. accurate yeah. assessment.
1: Yeah. Even as a kid, I never saw the draw of either song, but I will give the edge to bare necessities because it, gl- it gets a bleak reprisal after Baloo is aware of the danger and it cracked me up. I'm not sure I can choose with this one. I have so much nostalgia for the movie, and King Louie is the entire reason I have a soft spot for orangutans, when I generally hate monkeys and apes.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: Uh, I mean, we all have animals
0: we hate, I guess.
1: I will say, I'm not overly fond of apes, but it's like a... uh,
0: an uncanny it's, valley. Yeah, it's like bit. an
1: an un, yeah, an uncanny valley thing for me. It's 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 too, too close to it's Too close to yeah. being human. It freaks me out a little.
0: I think they're fascinating. I I love chimps. <laughs> I mean, and I
1: agree and, that they're fascinating. Yeah. I just don't particularly would want to be around them.
0: I mean, I, I I it depends on what you mean by around them. Like, I don't know if I'd want to like like you know hang out in the in the jungle with them because. Mm-hmm. Especially not wild ones because you know it, and even even um, cap, it, ones in captivity, they're you know they can be very aggressive, and if they are aggra- not that they they also can be very not aggressive and very tame or yeah. whatever, but when they are if they are aggressive, they can cause a lot of damage because they're very strong, but um I, I don't know I, I don't find them I find them really just really cool, like I like apes and chimps and all of all the monkeys and everything. I think they're really neat, um, but yeah, we all have our things that. You don't like birds, not you. Oh yeah, you kind of don't
1: like birds, depending on the bird. I think... You
0: like some birds. I
1: I like birds fine, I just think that we should show birds more respect than we do. We
0: should show all animals more respect than we do, that doesn't mean...
1: They're dinosaurs. (laughs) That's true. Shelby went on to say, (laughs) Not to mention, Shere Khan stole the show on rewatch. I liked some of the depth that came from the book, but I didn't care for all the time the author spent telling me how great he thought white people are.
0: Katie, that was Katie's favorite part of the book. She could she would not stop talking about how much she loved all the sections where Rudyard Kipling was like, "Let me tell you how great our races." You know,
1: it was pretty. It was pretty folded in. Um, it, but seriously, though, it's not. If I I think if you didn't know what to look for and yeah. you didn't know how to contextualize those stories, you probably wouldn't pick up on it. At least in the stuff that I read. Okay. Uh, the book's also very slow, and some stories don't even take place in the jungle. Lastly, I have watched and enjoyed both the 2016 remake and the Jungle Book too, but it's been a long time, and I don't know how they hold up. Oh. I, I, don't, I, I don't know about either of those. I will say I find, in general, the straight-to-video uh, sequels from the 2000s haven't held up oh, for me.
0: yeah. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me.
1: But uh, I never saw that one, so who knows? on instagram we had two votes for the movie and four for the book um abby messaged us um, and said hi long time listener first time writing in i have enjoyed your past episodes especially dune with Aaron, a lot but never had much to add which you haven't already covered but with the jungle book i thought i could add a few points which might add some flavor to the discussion the best version of the Jungle Book story is the 1989 Japanese animated version. Didn't know that existed. I didn't know that existed either. Which has 52 episodes, and I and many Indian children grew up watching it. Hmm. It's a fantastic adaptation, much more interested in making a coherent story. I wonder if we can stream that anywhere.
0: Yeah, I wonder. I, and I wonder when it's 52 episodes, if it's like a TV show or if it's like it sounds shorts. Sounds
1: like a TV show. To it me almost wouldn't here, surprise
0: but... me if it was maybe like little short. Yeah. You know, like. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that.
1: Regarding the snake character, Ka, you might want to take a peek into Indian mythology around various snake characters. There is the trope of the Nagini, a female shape-shifting spirit which takes a form of a cobra and seduces men. The Nagas, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing these correctly, um, tribe associated with the serpent kings, is quite ubiquitous in the Indian mythology, but there aren't any prominent stories of the Indian rock pythons, which is what Ka is. Lastly, the term banderlog. Of course, people are free to interpret the terms and their association in the way they experience it. In India, in the daily use, the term is often used differently than what can be read in the American or colonial context. The term implies noisy, mischievous rascals. Often, you would see school teachers calling an unruly class of children "banderlog." Huh. How Kipling understood it and how the modern, especially Western readers slash viewers, interpret it is very much up to them. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's interesting, um, and definitely, if this book had not been written by a white imperialist british guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> it would be less likely um to interpret his use of banderlog um in the way that i did yeah but huh
0: that is in- very yeah, interesting yeah but
1: that is interesting
0: um so yeah it looks like i just did some quick googling and it looks like the 1989 uh, animated version is a like 20 minute 20 to 30 minute episodes nice. tv show um, and they had it. It looks like they maybe released a Christmas special episode in 2019. Maybe it's like a remaster or something. Huh. But the the last thing on there. One was 2019 and one was 2020. The 2021 said like 30th anniversary or something. Mm-hmm. But the, the 2019 one said like Mowgli something Christmas something. I didn't... Hmm. I, uh, something Christmas star. And I was like, I wonder if they made a new one like 30 <laughs> years later, like a Christmas special. Weird. Maybe it was like a lost episode or yeah. something and they yeah. republished it or I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's got good reviews on IMDb. It has like a 7.5 on uh, mm-hmm. for like the fan vote. It had a the animation looked interesting so anyways yeah go check out i I didn't look to see if you can stream it anywhere um which i'm doing right now it is uh, you can buy it on amazon prime
1: for 83 (laughs)
0: dollars all of the episodes Uh, i wonder if it's on something like crunchyroll or something
1: yeah I, i yeah i could see it being on something like that
0: oh it might just be on youtube it is just on youtube love that uh, if you search the Jungle Book, The Adventures of Mowgli, the complete collection on YouTube, it looks like you can find it and it looks like the entire thing is uh, up in its entirety on YouTube. So there you go. Thank you, Avi. Uh, and thank everybody for all of your comments on the Jungle Book. Katie, how did the final votes break down?
1: Uh, the winner by a much narrower margin than I thought uh, was the movie with 12 votes to the book's 11. Wow. Um, I, I anticipated that people Were going to disagree with me um, I would have
0: assumed the movie would Have just yeah crushed.
1: yeah Yeah I was I was surprised that it was that Close that's um, really there were also Two undecided votes
0: I wonder If you swayed people
1: Perhaps
0: <laughs> I don't know I just because I, I like I, it's not something that I would have Expected many people to have read Yeah for first off and then to also Then pick the book over the movie Because you know it, it
1: just yeah, assume I don't know. that people would
0: have the nostalgia and just the, the popularity of the movie. You would just yeah. assume that. I don't know. I mean,
1: and we definitely didn't get as many votes for this one as we sometimes do. Right. But.
0: But yes. Yeah. It's very interesting. That is pretty interesting. All right. Normally we would go into our learning things segment here, but we're going to mix it up a little bit this week. And before we get to our learning things segments, we're going to set some groundwork by previewing Fifty Shades of Grey, the book.
1: So, this is just an interview for the newspaper. I just have a couple of questions. Mr. Gray will see you now. What was he like? He was polite. Intense. Smart. Really intimidating. Do you have any interests outside of work?
0: What about you? I'd like to know more about you.
1: There's really not much to know about me. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) I am. All right, so like Brian said, uh, I wanted to switch my segments around this week um, because I want you guys to have the context about the background of the book before we get to our learning things segment. Um, So Fifty Shades of Grey is a 2011 kind of erotic romance novel by british author erica mitchell james uh, published under her pen name el james Uh, the novel is perhaps best known for its inclusion of the sexual practice of bdsm a triple acronym that stands for bondage and discipline dominance and submission and sadism and masochism
0: i I've never heard the discipline applied to the first. No? No. I've only heard bondage because I knew s and was sadomasochism <laughs> and I guess I thought bondage. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's a, I've never it's a heard the discipline acronym. part,
0: I guess. Interesting. Okay. Fair enough.
1: Uh, so Fifty Shades began as a Twilight mm. fan fiction series. It was posted on fanfiction.net. Um, Starting in August of 2009, it was originally titled Master of the Universe. (laughs) I'm really glad I caught you while you were sipping wine there. (laughs) Yeah, Um, And it was penned under the name Snow Queens, all one word, Ice Dragon, all one word.
0: You know, I've had some terrible screen names slash usernames (laughs) in my lifetime so i have nothing to say about that you know (laughs) and
1: that one is as pretty par for the course um for fanfiction.net i will say snow queens ice dragon
0: my playstation screen name is still octavian rage quest
1: so
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyways
1: um so it started out um Twilight fanfiction, um, following comments concerning the sexual nature of the material, James removed the story from fanfiction.net and published it on her own website, 50shades.com. Later, she rewrote the fanfic, um, scrubbing all references to Twilight in the technical sense, um, and removed it from her website. She then went on to publish the renamed Fifty Shades of Grey with Writer's Coffee Shop, an independent Australian publisher. Okay,
0: so the original version had more overt references to the fact that this was Twilight.
1: I mean, it started out as just straight-up Twilight fan fiction.
0: Oh, okay. So initially, it was literally just... The the characters. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, so my understand, I didn't realize that. I guess I thought that it was basically just thinly veiled, like, at, like the characters had different names and stuff. But I guess I knew that. No, I knew, I knew that it was basically okay. Anyways.
1: I mean, I, I say, I say scrubbing all references to Twilight technically, right? Because my understanding of it. Is that she didn't really change very much?
0: Just like found and Just replaced kind all the yeah, kind, kind with of Christians like and-
1: <laughs> found and replaced yeah the yeah. names.
0: Yeah, yeah. fair um,
1: enough. Is my understanding of it. Uh, writer's Coffee Shop, uh, the the independent publisher that she initially went with, I think is now defunct. I couldn't find anything. Like I couldn't find a website for it. I could find like older like articles and things about it, but I don't. I don't think they. I exist wonder if they anymore.
0: would have. Re- it's possible, also that they just like rebranded. Yeah, maybe. Writer's Coffee Shop's kind of a strange As, name yeah. for a publishing. Well,
1: company. It, what it what it is, my understanding of what it is or was was that it was like. Um, I don't want to say. Cr- crowdfunded because i don't think that's exactly the right word it was like a, a cooperative effort uh, of okay. like a lot of different like per, like particularly like fan fiction writers um to try to break into more mainstream publishing
0: hmm I mean, yeah okay interesting
1: um but anyway speaking of the writer's coffee shop uh they had a really restricted marketing budget obviously um and relied largely on book blogs for early publicity um, but sales of the novel were boosted by word of mouth recommendation um so this was a, a grassroots effort <laughs> that got us 50 shades of gray
0: fantastic
1: um so the book's erotic nature uh and perceived demographic of its fan base um which was perceived as being composed mostly of married women over 30, uh, led to the book being dubbed mommy porn by some news agencies at the time. I'm glad I missed out on that. I I remember that.
0: I mean, I remember Um, them talking about the fact (laughs) that it was like, you know, the the wine mom revolution or whatever, but like uh, sexual revolution. But I don't remember hearing specifically the term mommy porn.
1: But the book has also reportedly been popular among teenage girls and college women um
0: as the erotic literature as erotic tends to to be. literature
1: tends to be yes uh i'm not sure i love the idea of teenage girls reading this one no but no, no 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 no. but it does tend to be yes um due to high interest in the series the license to the 50 shades trilogy was picked up by vintage books For re-release in a new and revised edition in April of 2012, Uh, the attention that the series had garnered also helped spark a renewed interest in erotic literature in general. Uh, Many other erotic works became bestsellers following Fifty Shades' success, um, while other popular works, like Anne Rice's The Sleeping Beauty trilogy, got reprints. Hmm. Um, And I believe, I don't have this in my notes, but I believe I saw somewhere that with that reprint she was able to actually print it like under her name because she initially published the Sleeping Beauty trilogy under like a pen name oh, because it was Anne Rice so yeah gotcha. Anne Rice um
0: because it was outside of her typical brand or something
1: have you ever read any of the Sleeping Beauty trilogy? No, no. I've read a little bit of it and it is it's a lot
0: mm, okay interesting yeah I never even heard of it I didn't.
1: Fifty Shades of Grey has topped bestseller lists around the world. Um, In August of 2012, Amazon UK announced that it had sold more copies of Fifty Shades of Grey than it had any individual book in the Harry Potter series. Uh, Although worldwide, the Harry Potter series sold more more than 450 million copies compared to Fifty Shades of Grey sales of 60 million copies. Um the series has been translated into 52 languages and set a record in the UK as the fastest selling paperback of all time. Why the UK? Uh, <laughs> I I guess because Yale James is British. Oh, Maybe that is they right just, she is British. Like, isn't she? For some reason I just think yeah. I mean having read some of it now I feel like it's not an off assumption.
0: Well but actually <laughs> uh, I actually well, anyways, well, yeah.
1: The novel received mixed to negative reviews. You don't say. Surprising no one, um, with most critics noting the poor literary quality of the work. Salman
0: Rushdie. Why was Salman okay? I don't know. Why is Salman Rushdie commenting on Fifty sh Okay.
1: I don't know. But I included his quote cuz I thought of it was funny. Of course. Yeah. What? <laughs> he said, "I've never read anything so badly written that got <laughs> published. It made Twilight look like War and Peace." I'm glad
0: Is someone Rushdie dropping truth bombs out here.
1: Uh, Maureen Dowd described the book in the New York Times as being written, "quote, like a Bronte <laughs> devoid of talent," and said it was, "quote, dull and poorly written." Jesse Cornbluth of the Huffington Post said, quote, as a reading experience, Fifty Shades is a sad joke.
0: You know, I'm over a hundred and something pages in and I cannot disagree with any of those <laughs> assessments.
1: However, British author Jenny Colgan in The Guardian wrote, quote, it is jolly Eminently readable and as sweet and safe as BDSM erotica can be, without contravening the Trade Descriptions Act. The New Zealand Herald stated that the book, quote, will win no prizes for its prose, <laughs> and that there are some exceedingly awful descriptions. Yeah. Although it was an also an easy read, quote, if you can if you only can suspend your disbelief. And your desire to, if you'll pardon the expression, slap the heroine for having so little self-respect—you might enjoy it.
0: Interesting. That has not been the my my problems with the heroine has not been my main issue with it so far.
1: (laughs) Seems like a very
0: strange (laughs) critique of the. Little victim blamey maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways.
1: Um, but E.L. James laughed all the way to the bank. No, nope, nope. In twenty thirteen, Forbes named her the highest paid author in the world, with ninety-five million in earnings thanks to her massive book sales and a seven-figure paycheck for the first movie adaptation. Fifty Shades of Grey has also garnered criticism due to its depictions of BDSM. Uh, With some BDSM participants stating that the book confuses the practice with abuse and presents it as a pathology to be overcome, as well as showing incorrect and possibly dangerous BDSM techniques. Mm -hmm. Coinciding with the release of the book, injuries relating to BDSM and sex toy use spiked dramatically in America. In the year after the novel's publishing in 2012, injuries requiring emergency room visits increased by over 50% from 2010, the year before the book was I published. I assume it
0: means, like, sex-related sex, sex related injuries requiring emergency room visits? Or I just, assume Because so. I don't know how you would correlate all it's, emergency room visits to that
1: I'm, I'm not saying that this is causation okay but there's definitely correlation i thought it was interesting yeah. um it's speculated to be due to people unfamiliar with the proper use of these toys and the safe practice of bondage etc yeah attempting to recreate what they had read right Uh, But as you can imagine, practitioners of BDSM weren't the only people upset at its inclusion in the series. For example, Archbishop Dennis Schnurr, because we know the Catholics got a way in, said, quote, the storyline is presented as a romance. However, the underlying theme is that bondage, (laughs) dominance and sadomasochism are normal and pleasurable.
0: Imagine just critiquing it for all the wrong reasons.
1: (laughs) Imagine. Being Catholic and your critique is that sadomasochism is presented as normal. Right. I was raised Catholic, so I can say that. It's funny. Um, Anti-porn organization Stop Porn Culture called for a boycott of the movie because of its sex scenes involving bondage and violence. Yep. At the beginning of the media hype surrounding the book... Dr. Drew. Noted huckster. Noted huckster, Dr. Drew. Uh, and sexologist, oh, Logan Levkoff. I don't know. I don't know, if, know, I don't know if that I don't know if sexologist is a real thing or uh, not, to I, be I, honest. It
0: might be. I Maybe. But I, I have never heard of that person. But if he's if he's chatting with Dr. Drew, he probably <laughs> has very little uh, credibility.
1: Um, but they discussed on the Today Show.
0: I'm sorry, I don't know.
1: The uh, yeah, uh, they discussed on the Today Show whether the book perpetuated violence against women. Uh, Lefkoff said that while it is an important subject, this trilogy had nothing to do with it. This was a book about a consensual relationship. I would have a, a lot of debate on that. Uh, Doctor Drew commented that the book was quote horribly written, in addition to being Fair. disturbing. But stated that, quote, if the book enhances women's real life, se- real life sex lives and intimacy, so be it. I mean. Sure.
0: I, sure. <laughs> I, it seems unlikely that that would be the. Well, I don't want to say it seems unlikely. I think it could at least start you down a path towards exploring, you know, new ways to enjoy yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But <laughs> I, I I definitely think that. um, it's at least so far uh, more likely to cause issues romantically Mm. than it would be to improve things. But again, I don't know. We're not, I'm not out of the book yet.
1: And I am pleased to say that the only person whose comment on this series I wanted to hear did weigh in. Yes, Stephanie Meyer commented on the series saying, quote, that's really not my genre, not my thing. Good on her. She's doing well. That's great. Oh, my God.
0: That's, <laughs> that's about what I expected, to be fair. Just nothing. She <laughs> said nothing.
1: Stephanie Meyer.
0: Great for, job. For
1: all that I could criticize Stephanie Meyer for, she's in her own lane.
0: Yep. She's like, I don't want her. You know what? Nah, it's not.
1: I'm not even going to get involved. It's
0: good for her. <laughs> yeah oh boy uh yeah well that's yep that's a little bit about 50 shades of gray the book uh now you have a little bit of context for the book let's talk about 50 shades of gray and fan fiction
1: no matter what anybody tells you words and ideas can change the world all right, so let's talk about fan fiction real quick. Uh, a little history. I don't remember if we've ever talked about fan fiction on the show or not. We
0: at least once have. We, I'm I sure mean, it's, it's come, come up, up. But
1: yeah, uh, I don't remember any specific instances off the cuff. Um, so just to make our stance clear. Well, uh, sorry,
0: I did think of one in relation to Anne Rice. We talked about her. Oh, we yeah,
1: we did talk about her. Um, we
0: might have even done a segment.
1: No, our, our, um,
0: maybe it was just on Anne Rice. I don't remember, but
1: there was probably stuff about it in her, like, uh, if we cover her in the bio information at all. Um, the, the learning thing segment we did for an interview with the vampire was about the evolution of the modern vampire. Oh, okay. I remember that because I was really proud of that segment.
0: Yes, you're right. I do remember that now. It
1: <laughs> was a good segment. Yeah,
0: but I know we definitely <laughs> at least discussed her. It was probably during her, like, yeah. During the book thing about how she didn't Yeah
1: no fiction. we definitely discussed how And that actually comes up again in this segment okay. Um. Anyway I just want to make our stands Clear you will hear no fan fiction Slander on this show mm-hmm. uh, Maybe some light teasing or sarcasm Yeah but no slander or Malice I love fan fiction Uh, It's something that I tend to Engage with in waves If I'm reading fanfic I'm reading tons of it But if I'm not in one of those Waves I don't really read it at all Um but I've read a lot of fic and I've written a little bit, so fan fiction lovers, rest assured, I am in your corner.
0: I've only read a tiny bit in my lifetime. Never written any. Uh, well, I mean, no, no, I've never. I'm trying <laughs> to think, I know I've never written any, unless you count like spoof videos, but which are kind of like fan fiction a little a bit, little but not bit, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I have no problem with fanfic. I I've read a little bit here and there. Um every now and then but not not it's not a thing i'm particularly into it's a thing i like to tease now and then because it's you know it's fun but it's also something that i enjoy and i appreciate that people enjoy it and i have no problem with it
1: uh so fan fiction has arguably been around for as long as stories have been around depending on how exactly you define it uh, storytelling began as an oral tradition and stories moved around because people retold them, uh, reimagined them, even reused characters and plots. That goes for folk- folklore, fairy tales, and especially mythology. Uh, people loved hearing and telling new stories about their favorite gods and heroes. Mm-hmm. But the roots of modern fan fiction, right, fanfic as we would recognize it today, lie in the Star Trek fanzines of the 70s and 80s. Um, although some might argue the Man from U.N.C.L.E., which predates the Star Trek TV series, started the movement. Um, but generally...
0: More like people writing fanfic about that yeah, series. Yeah, I think so, oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, but generally it's more credited to uh, Star Trek fanzines because it was a much bigger like, overall movement. Uh, the Harry Potter series is typically credited with launching modern fan fiction um with a big assist from sites like fanfiction.net and LiveJournal. Um you have archive of our own in parentheses question mark I was here. just
0: wondering why you didn't reference that. Is it Um not, because it's not like it's biggest? not a thing yet. Oh, okay.
1: I, I have a note on it later. Way. Okay, sorry. But it's not uh, not quite yet. fanfiction.net Predates archive of our own, and okay. I think LiveJournal might predate Fanfiction.net, but don't quote me on that. I think
0: that sounds right in my head. I don't know.
1: Uh, so while many authors have found professional success following their success in writing and posting fanfiction online, uh, such as romance author Racheline Maltese. Uh, erotica writers cecilia tan um, and young adult author cassandra clare uh, having a fic having a fic directly republished as an independent work is a little more rare i'm not going to call 50 shades a trailblazer necessarily but according to some sources i looked at it did kick off like a slight period of publishers looking to fan fiction to find the next big hit
0: i mean that wouldn't surprise me it was yeah. with how successful it was yeah that they would
1: Uh, For example, a piece of Supernatural fanfiction was republished in 2013 as Point Pleasant, uh, and another piece of Twilight fanfiction, retitled Gabriel's Inferno, was republished in 2013. Um, Interestingly, though, there's sometimes backlash within fandom communities when a fanfic author goes pro. Of course there is. Uh, In an article in Forbes, romance author Racheline Maltese—I hope I'm saying her name right— I'm saying it kind of French because I think that sounds good. It looks French. Racheline Maltese stated, uh, quote, fan fiction is a gift culture. We don't make money doing that. Uh, Wow, I love this story is sort of how we get paid. When somebody goes professional, there's a sense of selling out. Um, A counterpoint to this, I did read some articles saying that that kind of backlash is fading and many fandom communities are now supportive of creators finding more mainstream success.
0: Yeah, I would hope so. so. I mean, as long as it's it, the fan fiction is, you know, unique enough mm-hmm. and, and stands alone enough that it's not like so derivative. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I yeah, I, I see. Yeah, I think it's weird to be like our successes. It's like I can't eat. Wow, I love this story. So, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know.
1: Um, but I think I've I've definitely seen like both of those kind of responses just out in the wild on the Internet. So this is interesting. Um, but some people speculate that that kind of uh, backlash undercurrent within fandom culture may be due to how some authors react to having fan fanfic- fiction written about their work. Uh, Anne Rice famously hated fan fiction, would threaten to sue fic authors uh, George R.R. R. Martin has said that he doesn't think fan fiction is a good exercise for aspiring authors, stating, quote, I don't think it's a good way to train to be a professional writer when you're borrowing everybody else's world and characters. That's like riding a bike with training wheels.
0: So, I mean, I agree in the sense that it's it's not it, you. I disagree in the sense that I think you could you can hone some of your writing skills by yeah. writing fan fiction no, for sure maybe not characterization and world building as much because you're if you are literally just like kind of copy pasting mm-hmm. characterization and world building from you know an established um license but the rest of it your prose your
1: i mean your, your I, narrative I think it, structure
0: your thematic yes. right you know what i mean definitely, like there's a lot of like, stuff definitely
1: you, that stuff for sure but i think it also depends on what kind of Thick, you're writing because there's, I mean, there's a lot of like alternate universe thick, yeah, that, that's true too, yeah. where you're essentially building a different world from scratch, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so fan fiction has always kind of been the uh, quote unquote redheaded stepchild of writing paths. Uh, the general vibe from people who don't or won't engage with it is kind of akin to uh, George R. R. Martin's it's not real writing, right? Um, it's often considered a lower form of art for reasons like not being original, uh, being of poor literary quality, and especially for objectionable material, which is usually sexual and or LBG, LGBTQIA plus content. It's Pride Month, you're canceled. How did you get <laughs> <laughs> <Just kidding>. libitica
0: libitica <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: man um still i think culturally we're at a turning point with general public opinion of what can be considered original art uh, fan fiction and fandom culture in general has become far more mainstream over the past decade and a half uh, helped in large part by three main factors uh, one technology Especially websites like AO3 and Tumblr, uh, at least in its heyday. I don't know what's going on on Tumblr right now. I haven't been on Tumblr in a hot minute. Um, two, uh, juggernaut fandoms like Harry Potter, Supernatural, and Twilight, uh, the kind of fandoms that just continue to churn out Sherlock,
0: content. How dare you leave out one of the other heavy. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, and three, um, fan fiction and fandom Generally, being considered progressively more normal with each passing generation, um, it was pretty normal for us millennials. I, I would wager to say even more normal for Gen Z.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And I
1: what, what is after Gen Z, Gen Alpha? I don't know what they're, called. I don't know. The I, names I, I, are all made up,
0: yeah. I, 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 I honestly don't think I've ever heard what post Gen Z is, but anyways, I think you're right, it might be Alpha.
1: I think it is Alpha. Uh, I was hoping to find some hard evidence that Fifty Shades boosted the number of people seeking out fanfiction for the first time, but I didn't find anything definitive. It also hurt my research efforts that Fifty Shades' rise in popularity also kind of dovetailed with the rise of AO3 as the new central hub for fic. I found some trends, but it's hard to say exactly what those trends originated from. I think it's probably fair to say that Fifty Shades broadened awareness of fan fiction within the general population, uh, especially within some older demographics that may not have been already engaging with it. I
0: think that's very fair. Enough.
1: But I think it's uh, also debatable how much that helped within some demographics, especially considering that Fifty Shades hits all three of those affirma- aforementioned common objections to fan fiction. Uh, it is derivative of poor literary quality and also contains sexual content. Yep. So, um, either way, if the world doesn't end or society doesn't collapse in the next decade or so, I think we'll probably be looking at some very interesting conversations surrounding copyright and fair use.
0: We already are. So true. I don't think it'll stop. (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely true. All right. I have quite a few things to talk about, about 50 shades of gray. The film.
1: To what do you owe your success? I exercise control in all things, Miss Steele. It must be really boring. I'm incapable of leaving you alone. Symptom. Start in life, you should steer clear of me. I don't do romance. My tastes are very singular. You wouldn't understand.
0: Shades of Grey is a 2015 film directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, known for directing Nowhere Boy, A Million Little Pieces, and uh, a fair number of high profile music videos, including some for Elton John. Also, want to mention here, just to get it out there, that uh, Taylor Johnson uh, began a relationship with Nowhere Boy actor Aaron Johnson, who played uh, uh, Quicksilver in some of the something, I think. I could be wrong. Anyways, Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, after meeting on the 2009 set of the film that she directed Nowhere Boy, he was 18, she was 42. So, okay. yeah. Uh, they are now married and have two kids together, have been for since 2009 or 2010. Um, take that information as you will. Just feels like a relevant thing, feels, feels maybe. Feels a
1: little contextually relevant yep.
0: perhaps anyways uh so uh, the film was written by kelly marcel uh who was known for writing saving mr banks venom venom let there be carnage and cruella
1: well this is an interesting that that's an interesting yep. cv
0: and and at the time <laughs> that she was uh, chosen to write this movie saving mr banks was literally the only thing yeah like, the only big film she yeah i was written. gonna say all those all other, all those ones, other are post- ones are post this yeah Yep, uh, the film stars Dakota Johnson, Jamie Dornan, Elo- Eloise Mumford, Jennifer a- Ellie? A- L- Ailey, I don't know how to pronounce that, uh, Marsha Gay Harden, Victor Rassik, Rita Ora, and Luke Grimes. The film has a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 46 on Metacritic, and a 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb. It made five hundred and sixty nine nice million <laughs> dollars against a budget of 40 million dollars and was nominated for one Oscar for best achievement and music written for motion picture, which was for the original song titled earned it, which the weekend was involved with. I don't know huh. uh, some other people. There was like a list of several people, but the weekend was one of them by early 2012. So getting back now into how this all came to be. By early 2012, several studios were vying for the rights uh, to the series of novels. Warner Brothers, Sony Pictures, Paramount, Universal, and Mark Wahlberg's production (laughs) company—all that's this—is how it was listed on IMDb. It didn't, or on Wikipedia, where I got this (laughs) information. It didn't say the name of his studio. It just said "and Mark Wahlberg's (laughs) studio," which or production company, which cracked me up. um, All submitted bids for rights to the uh, to the series. Ultimately, Universal and Focus Features uh, secured rights in March of 2012. E.L. James was super eager to retain some level of creative control during the, the filming process and working on the films uh, and ended up being involved in hiring the social network producers, Michael De Luca and uh, Danielle, uh, Daniela Brunetti, I believe is her name, to produce the film. Early on, Brett Easton Ellis, author of American Psycho, Rules of Attraction, The Informers, uh, wanted to write the film. uh, But E.L. James and the studio decided against it and ended up going with Kelly Marcel. Then at the time, like I said, primarily known for Saving Mr. Banks and the TV show Terra Nova, which I believe was a sci-fi original. Or no, I think it might have been on Fox. But it was like a... It was like a sci-fi show. It was sounds
1: like sounds like a sci-fi show. It, at
0: my memory, it was like a, the, uh, post-apocalyptic, and there are like dinosaurs again, or something, hmm. I, something like that. I, I never watched it, but I remember seeing like commercials for it way back in the day, and I think it was on like primetime or something on like network television. Um, and then uh, around that time, Patrick Marber and Mark Bombeck were also brought in for uncredited script revisions. So Kelly Marcel's the only credited screenwriter, but a couple other people came in and did some work on the script. So the original, uh, the studio's original choice to direct the film was Joe Wright, who is somebody we have talked about before, mm. uh, who is most known for Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. Atonement, Hannah, Pan, and The Darkest Hour, among other things. But he was unavailable due to scheduling. Other directors considered for the, for the part, or for the role, not the role, for <laughs> for the job, uh, included Patty Jenkins, Bill Condon, who we've talked about. He uh, did the
1: Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Yeah.
0: Um, Bill Condon was actually the director of two of the Twilight films, not The Hunger Games. He did Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 and Part 2. So that makes even more sense, honestly, than The Hunger Games. Bennett Miller and Steven Soderbergh, which Steven Soderbergh of all of those makes the most sense to me, I think. But they all make sense in their own way. Uh, ultimately Taylor Johnson was chosen In June of 2013 uh, And as she was working on the film and in interviews afterwards She cited Nine and a Half Weeks Last Tango in Paris and A film we have talked about Blue is the Warmest Color as inspirations For her work on the film hmm. Taylor Johnson, though, would not go on to direct the rest of the series. Spoiler for our prequel episodes in the future. And in an interview in June of 2017, Taylor Johnson cited difficulties working with the author E.L. James, causing her to leave the series. She said, quote, I can never say I, I regret it because that would just finish me off. With the benefit of hindsight, would I go through it again? Of course I wouldn't. I'd be mad. I have heard several times from different things that I've seen. That E.L. James was a nightmare to work with on this film. So, we'll see. Uh if I can find some more stories about that later. I don't have any more in this, in this, in these notes, but maybe in the future. Uh so now uh for a tangled web of casting stories about this film. Apparently, according to Brad Easton Ellis, again, who wanted to write the film but didn't ever seem to be involved, but somehow he was at least involved enough to have some sort of insider information. Hmm. E.L. James's first choice for Christian Gray was robert pattinson which like oh, what <laughs> what <laughs> why uh, but ultimately she decided that would be too weird
1: that would have been really weird yeah. but you know the chaotic energy that yes. he could have brought to the right? role
0: i actually think it would have been great but <laughs> it would have been hilarious and then it's just kristen stewart was <laughs> anastasia's to <laughs> like just do it <laughs> Cowards, come on. <laughs> Would have been amazing. Um, anyways, uh, on September 2nd, 2013, uh, E.L. James revealed that Charlie Hunnam and Dakota Johnson had been cast as Christian Gray and Anastasia Steele, respectively. You may notice that that is not who is in the film, so we'll get to that. Mm. The shortlist of other actresses considered for Anastasia included Alicia Vikander, Imogen Poots, Elizabeth Olson, Shailene Woodley, and Felicity Jones. Which is wild, and, uh, I mean, uh, who's who there? I, uh, Imogen, I can't remember who uh, Imogen Poots. The name is familiar, but yeah, I can't no. place her, like who she is. But
1: isn't Shailene Woodley awfully young?
0: I have no idea. No, I think Shailene Woodley's fairly. I think she's like the same old as like Dakota John, or same age as.
1: Oh, I, is she? I
0: thought I could be. I don't know. Um, Lucy Hale also auditioned for the film. I think most known for uh, Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. Uh, Amelia Clark was offered the role of Anastasia But turned it down in part because of the nudity Which famously she yeah. stopped doing nudity in Game of Thrones after the first season uh, So the studio originally wanted Ryan Gosling for the role of Christian Grey
1: <laughs> God, that would have been so goofy
0: Yes, it would have He was not <laughs> interested This is one of my favorite things here Garrett Headland also considered But he could not connect with the character Stephen Amell, who plays, um uh, a green arrow on like the cw uh-huh. series i think yeah i think that's Steven. because yeah. there's there, there's brothers there's robbie and steven amell i think steven is the green arrow anyways I think you're right. um said he he would he would not have wanted to play the role of gray because quote i actually didn't find him to be that interesting nothing about christian gray really spoke to me and quote
1: <laughs> same <laughs>
0: Uh, So ultimately there was some fan backlash to the casting of Charlie Hunnam as Christian Charlie Hunnam probably Mm. most known for his role on Sons of Anarchy Right He's like the main character on that FX show He's been in quite a few other things but that's probably the thing he's most known Including Uh, Pacific Rim
1: Especially at the time
0: Uh, He was in Pacific Rim in 2013 too He was the main character in Pacific Rim But so there was some fan backlash to the casting of Charlie Hunnam as Christian Uh, And then on October 12th 2013, Universal Pictures announced that Hunnam had exited the film due to conflicts with the schedule for filming Sons of Anarchy. Other actors that were considered as uh, replacements for Charlie Hunnam included Alexander Skarsgård, Jamie Dornan, Christian Cook, Theo James, uh, Francois Arnaud, Scott Eastwood, uh, Luke Bracey, and Billy Magnuson, but ultimately... On October 23rd, 2013, it was announced that Jamie Dornan would be playing Christian Grey. Uh, now getting into some interesting little tidbits here that I found. The film was the last project work on, worked on by the prolific Academy Award winning editor Anne V. Coates before her death in 2018. She was like in her 80s or something at the time. <laughs> Did this movie More, kill her? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Wouldn't be surprised. So, uh, speaking of the editing and and, uh, the film itself, there was initial speculation that this movie would receive an NC-17 rating in the U.S. A rating that is typically reserved for, um, not pornography, but bordering on pornography. Borderline pornography, Yes. Um, And studios typically steer away from NC-17 and adult-only ratings because... Nobody will go see them. Yeah. Like <laughs> nobody can go see them. And some theater chains actually will refuse to show NC17 movies. So it's not uncommon to just not be able to get them into a lot of theaters. So apparently, uh, Kelly Marcel, the screenwriter, said she expected the film to be an NC17, and her initial drafts of the script would have put it at an NC17 rating. Uh but producer uh, DeLuca anticipated that it would actually get an R rating. On January fifth of twenty fifteen, the MPAA gave the film an R rating, basing its decision on "quote strong sexual content, including dialogue, some unusual behavior, and graphic nudity and language." <laughs> unusual behavior. Unusual behavior. Oh boy!
1: Oh my god.
0: Uh, So, getting into some IMDb trivia here. I'm sorry.
1: Hang on. I'm going to start saying that about myself.
0: Unusual. I'm
1: going to say that I'm rated R for unusual behavior.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Carry on. Fair enough. Getting into some IMDb trivia here. So, again, take this all with a grain of salt. Supposedly, uh, which this would make sense, um, which I think is the same thing for when we did um, The Handmaiden. Is that what it was called? I think
1: we did talk about this. With that, the uh, uh, yeah.
0: Remote control cameras were utilized for a majority of the sex scenes uh, recording so that the actors could have a more private set and didn't have like a million people there. Um, although stunt coordinator Melissa Stubbs said in an interview that in some of the wilder scenes, uh, the two lead actors, Dornan and uh, Johnson, had to spend hours naked in front of a film crew, <laughs> a full film crew.
1: Oh, that sounds exhausting.
0: Yeah. Uh, So cinematographer Seamus McGarvey revealed that him and his team digitally added shots of visible pubic hair and that it was not real. Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan both wore modesty patches that were like, you know, skin colored, Uh um, which are often used in sex scenes to cover like, you know, the actual genitalia. (laughs) So they apparently added digital pubic hair, which is amazing. (laughs) Uh, this is really wild to me. Apparently, supposedly, Angelina Jolie was offered the chance to direct this film, but declined.
1: a Surprising no one, yeah.
0: I feel like. Uh, actually, I could see her being in this film. I could, she, Yeah, I, it wouldn't have surprised me that if she would have done it, but I could also see her turning it down and being a little bit beneath her.
1: I, I was going to say, I feel like Angelina Jolie would read the book and be like, mm, yeah, no, I guess I, nah. I, yeah, I, I, I would agree
0: with that. I don't think she would oppose based on content, but instead based on quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Uh, so controversially, Jamie Dornan revealed that he wouldn't be doing full frontal nudity for the film, Absurd. stating that there were, in fact, signed contracts in place to make sure that his penis did not appear in the film. <laughs> And apparently this raised concerns For fans of the book as they feared that the Filmmakers had turned down Toned down the explicit and Graphic nature of the of the sex Scenes in the book so no Dong in this one which Disappointing (laughs) this is my notes are already too long so i'm gonna stop here that i had so many things i could have and our notes were already very long but uh, i'd like to end by saying that a large amount of the imdb trivia page is just people pointing out different ways that the bdsm depictions in the film are bad <laughs> <laughs> and inaccurate and 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 harmful so i was like half the ones i scrolled through it was like the scene where this happens that's bad because of the i was like all right I mean, I don't disagree. It's just funny that that's like half the IMDb trivia facts. So, getting to some reviews of uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey film. Claudia Puig of USA Today wrote that, quote, The dialogue is laughable, the pacing is sluggish, and the performances are one note. Moira McDonald of the Seattle Times wrote, Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie, for the record, is not quite as bad as Fifty Shades of Grey, the book, but that's not saying much. Oh,
1: (laughs) Oh, Moira, Which we'll, I, we'll be the judge I, of that. I was going to
0: say, I feel like that's probably going to be our review if I had to guess going into <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, if I had to guess. If I had to put money down, that would be my uh, where I would put my money down. Uh, we got this covered critic, Isaac Feldberg, gave the film one and a half stars out of five and wrote, quote, It feels like two distinct films grappling for dominance over the screen. One, a sensual and stylish romance, and the other, a numbingly explicit Harlequin bodice ripper brought to life. Regrettably, the latter and lesser of the two ends up on top.
1: Okay, Isaac. (laughs) I'm going to need you to leave Harlequin bodice rippers out of this. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I will say, Isaac, well done on some clever wordplay in your review there, though. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, in a positive review, a couple positive reviews here, or at least one. uh, In the Daily Telegraph, Robbie Collin called the film, quote, sexy, funny, and self-aware in every way the original book isn't. We'll be the judge of that. (laughs) Uh, Elizabeth Weitzman of New York's Daily News praised the the directing, the screenplay, and Dakota Johnson's performance, but called Dornan's performance the... um, the, the chemist called Dornan's performance, the chemistry between the two leads and the supporting cast underused. She yeah, praised the if they fi-
1: fil- didn't show his dong. Yeah, absolutely. Underused. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, so she praised the film for honoring the essence of its source and the director's way of balancing, quote, atmosphere with action. Uh, and then finally, in The Guardian, Jordan Hoffman awarded the film three out of five stars, writing, quote, this big screen adaptation still manages to be about people and even a little bit sweet. And that the sex scenes, quote, are there to advance the plot and only the most buttoned up prude will be scandalized. Hmm. That's, uh, that's J- Jordan Hoffman's opinion. <laughs> I mean, Okay. I mean you go into the movie knowing what you're getting it's, right. not like, yeah. it's not like you're gonna stumble into this film surprised by what you're seeing screen. you know what I mean like its I thought this was gonna be about paint <laughs> yeah like <laughs> I, I yeah I I mean I guess I agree in the sense that yeah if you're scandalized watching this movie <laughs> what did you think you were watching like <laughs> right yeah uh, before we get to where you can watch it, we want to remind you you can do us a giant favor by supporting us on Patreon for a few bucks a month. You get access to bonus content and all that kind of stuff. We just watched The Mummy, 1999's The Mummy, starring Brennan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, among others. Uh, and we will be recording an episode on that here in just a day or two, and it will be out uh, within a week or two of when you're listening to this. So look out for that. Uh, And that's what you get access to on Patreon At the $5 and up level You can also do us a giant favor by following us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, all those places Look for this film is lit Follow us and interact We love to hear from you Katie, where can people watch Fifty Shades of Grey?
1: Well, you can check with your local library Uh, Our local library does not carry this film
0: (sighs) Prudes
1: Um, Buttoned up prudes (laughs) Yeah, well, you can get uh, the book in any format your heart desires But they don't have the film Oh, okay um, or if you still have a local video rental store, you can check with them. Uh, you can stream this movie with ads through the Roku channel. Yeah, I
0: saw that. It's interesting.
1: Or you can rent it for around three to four dollars through Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, Voodoo, Redbox, DirecTV, AMC Theaters on Demand, or Spectrum TV.
0: There you go. Those are all the places you can check out Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm interested to see how this movie compares with the book because boy, the book is the as bad boy, as the book is.
1: You know I what? I was expecting. It's worse than I was expecting. I, you know
0: what? I, the, I, I said that, and then as soon as I said it, I thought the same thing. It's actually worse than I was
1: expecting. I, I was fully expecting it to be very, very terrible, and I am still aghast. Yeah,
0: it, it, it really is not, not good. It's yeah. Not well written. It's got lots.
1: It's got a lot of. It's got a lot of not great messaging. Yeah,
0: it's it. There's a lot going on here, and we're gonna we'll get into it. There's some nuance to be had in the discussion yes. of the topic, and like in the discussion of fantasy and romance and erotica and and all yes. that sort of stuff. Yes, this is
1: gonna it's gonna be a very interesting series, I think, yeah. because there are many many layers to this discussion. Yeah, and we want to make sure that we are being as fair as possible. Yeah, absolutely. But we also want to discuss. Different aspects yeah. of this, yeah, piece of content
0: for sure. Because there's, de- yeah, there's a lot to talk about, and it is, it is, it is, yeah, many layered, uh, many faceted, and slightly nuanced. That being said, it's also just a terrible book. But it is, <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty but, bad. But there is, there's a lot to, to dig into and discuss here. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to do that, uh, which we'll be doing in one week's time. So come back then, guys, gals, and non-binary pals in one week's time, We're talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Until that time. Keep reading books, keep watching movies,
1: and keep Keep being awesome.